Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What we need is more common sense. More common sense. We've got to use plain old common sense. Breaking down the world's nonsense. About how American common sense will see us through. With the common sense of Houston. I'm just pro common sense. For Houston, from Houston. This is the Jimmy Barrett Show, brought to you by ViewIn.com. Now, here's Jimmy Barrett. Hey, welcome to the show. Happy Fat Tuesday, everybody. Did you pick up your king cake? Chris Little, do you, you eat king cakes? You do the king cake thing? What's that? You don't eat cake at all? Now you mom Fat Tuesday, huh? All right. I'll tell you what I missed, though. I missed my punchkeys. You go, what? What the hell's a punchki, right? A punchki is a big, fat, dense jelly donut. And that doesn't even begin to do it justice. It really doesn't. It, it's one of those things where if you were to pick it up, it probably weighs... It's got to weigh a half a pound or more per punchki. They're big. They're filled with fruit, traditionally. And uh, they are delicious. Now, I was at Kroger earlier today because Kroger has been known to sell punchkis, even in non-punchki markets. I had a friend of mine who sent me a picture earlier today from Phoenix, Arizona where they had tons of punchkis. And I said, really? You've got punchkis in Arizona? He said, yeah, well, we've got a lot of transplants here from Michigan and Illinois and Minnesota. It's, it's an upper Midwest kind of thing. Uh, they got to be a big thing for Fat Tuesday because of, it, it, it's a Polish, you should know it's a Polish delicacy. And punchki, <laughs> I know you'll be shocked by this, but... It's spelled, in no way does the spelling resemble the pronunciation of the name. It just doesn't. P-A-C-Z, hang on, I got it. P-A-C-Z-Y, I don't, I wrote, I wrote it down like you, here it is. P-A-C-Z-K-I, Punchki. There's no U, I don't know how it gets to be poo, Punchki, but it is. Now, the problem is, I can tell you where to get a punchki, and I'm putting that in air quotes. I know unless you're watching on Facebook, you can't see me do that. But I'm putting it in air quotes. And the reason why I, I, don't, I don't want you to buy one, try and go, what is this? Because it's not the real deal. Uh, I did go to Kroger. I was sent on a mission by my wife today. We have never had a king cake. And, you know, Wanting to be good Houstonians and, and wanting to be good Texans and knowing that this is a tradition here in Southeast Texas, the king cake because of, you know, Fat Tuesday celebration in New Orleans and Mardi Gras and all that. 
Okay, we'll, we'll do a king cake. So she sent me to the store to get one today, which I did. And I was very proud of myself because they had the ones that they had separated. They'd probably been out there a little too long. And I didn't buy that. I bought a fresh one. Because if she's, if if she's going to try her first king cake, she's got to get the real deal. I'm told it tastes something akin to a cinnamon roll. I wouldn't know. I've never had it. I'll take a bite just so I can say I tried it. After all, I've tried just about everything else from Louisiana I can think of. Gumbo and jambalaya and, of course, crawfish. I'd never had crawfish before I moved here. I love crawfish. We love, love, love a good crawfish boil. Sorry, we missed one at the station today. But if you happen to go and you're going through the bakery aisle at Kroger and you see boxes advertising punchkis, at least the Kroger I was in, that is not a real punchki. If it has powdered sugar on it and it says it's filled with Bavarian cream, it's not a real punchki. Punchkis, it's... Punchkis do not contain Bavarian cream. I'm sorry. Punchkis are filled with fruit. Whether you're talking about prune, not my personal favorite. Raspberry, blueberry, fruit. It's like kolaches. You know, a, a purist would tell you that you don't... Kolaches, they don't contain meat. You know, so I was putting that together, punchki, and the kolachki is a palachki. Hang on, I might have just invented something. A palachki. Huh. I'll have to work on that. What would be in a palachki? Anyway, it's not really a kolachki if it contains meat. It's not. Kolachis are fruit-filled. They are not meat-filled. They're fruit-filled. Well, the same kind of, same kind of purity exists in the world of... Um, Punchkis, they're not filled with cream, they're filled with fruit. And um, they really, if you were to get an authentic one from Detroit, for example, or Cleveland, or somewhere in the Chicago area, the real deal made at a Polish bakery, then you would say, hey, this is something. I did one year when I was in Richmond, Virginia, I did manage to, uh, we did it for charity. We did manage to get our hands on an authentic Polish bakery punchki recipe. And I got a local donut shop to make it. They, they only did it once. It's a lot of work. But they, they, we drove them insane with people wanting to try them. Uh, it was to benefit the, uh, the Richmond Fisher House, the Fisher House Foundation. And they sold out of those things. It was just, and they did an amazing job. So I could probably get the recipe if I could talk a bakery here into doing it. But then again, you know, we have our own traditions. Why, why, why import a tradition for Fat Tuesday when we have plenty of our own? We've got king cakes. We've got our own stuff going on. I, we don't need any. We don't need any punchkis. Although I wouldn't mind getting my hands on one. By the way, my wife tried to get. Uh, she has a friend that owns a bakery in Dearborn, Michigan. Tried to get them to send her some punchkis. They say, are you kidding me? We can't keep up with the demand as it is. We, we do not have the ability to export them. No way. 
313 now here on AM 950 KPRC. Coming up, uh, Joe Fertel's coming up at 332. There is another Democrat debate tonight. It'll be old gang on Bernie tonight. It's got to be. It's got to be gang up on Bernie tonight. So we'll get a preview from him. Hillary, by the way, came out today and said if Bernie is the nominee, she will endorse him. I don't know if he cares about that, but that's what she said. Back with more in a moment, 713-212-5950. If you want to join the show, Jimmy Parrott here on AM 950 KPRC. Oh, there goes the 401k. What are we down today? 879.44. That's on the Dow. NASDAQ is down 255.67. S&P down 97.68. Crude is down a buck 60. Why? Here's, here's a question. Oh, I know what they would blame it on, but why why are we why are we spending over two dollars a gallon in gasoline when the a barrel of crude is forty nine eighty three right now? I can't remember the last time it's been this low. Well, we're switching over to the summer blends. Okay. I suppose there's some truth to that. But that's amazing. That is amazing, and 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 that's not a great thing for us. I'm not, you know, I'm not jumping up for joy because it's forty nine, eighty three a barrel for crude. I'd I'd rather it's up there in the sixties. Um, I, I want uh, I want the Texas oil industry to keep on humming along. That's such a big part of our economy. We need that to be working. So today, not a good day for the Dow. We're told it's still all about the coronavirus. We're feared. We're feared that the coronavirus is going to kill everybody and shut down the economy. Well, Wall Street reacts that way. And unfortunately, uh, the media is more than happy to ratchet it up a notch or two. You know, uh, what are the stories I'm seeing today? Hang on a second. Um, Here's one. Uh, Reuters story. Coronavirus starts to set off some recession alarm bells. Okay, time to start the recession talk again. People are getting scared. Let's go ahead and start talking recession. The video was from CNBC. I think we know what their mission in life is. Uh, Let me just share from this article. Will China's coronavirus outbreak send the world economy into recession? Will it? Will it? As cases spread across Asia and in Europe, only some of the multiple indicators investors use to monitor recession signals are flashing red, implying the frail global economy may not necessarily be headed towards a contraction. (laughs) Oh, so the the second paragraph pretty much does in the first paragraph. It's too early to be sure, however. The outbreak is still continuing to spread. And key data points for February are still unavailable. So we still have hope. We still have hope that we can tank this economy and get Donald Trump out of office. He goes on to say, what's more, forecasting global recessions is tricky. Tricky. It's tricky, tricky, tricky. Because most countries can't match U.S. data for its breadth. Breadth. It's also rare for the world economy to actually shrink. Prior to 2008, 2009, that only happened in 1990 and 1991. But taking into account population growth in poor countries' needs for faster expansion rates, the broad rule of thumb is that world growth below 2% can be classed as a recession. Okay. So 
We just need to get growth below 2%, and we can say we're in a recession. And once we say we're in a recession, then it'll get worse. And once it gets worse, especially between now and the election, there's no way they re-elect Trump. The International Monetary Fund still expects 3.3% global growth in 2020. It did cut China forecast to 5.6%, and voice fears the coronavirus impact could be longer-lasting than previously expected. Um, China's president has vowed the country will meet its target of 6% growth. We shall see. So that's the story. Reuters eagerly awaiting the potential recession. And we've been saying all along that uh, I really do believe that a lot, at least up until now, a lot of the talk about the coronavirus is, is on purpose by the mainstream media to get us all freaked out, to get investors all wigged out over what it could do to the economy. And that's exactly what they need to have it do in order to be able to sow those seeds of concern and, and, and become the self-fulfilling prophecy that the economy has a tendency to be. Now, Rush buys into it as well. He was on his show yesterday. This is from yesterday's Rush Limbaugh show. But here's what he said about the whole idea of making this whole coronavirus thing seem a whole lot worse than what it is. Folks, this coronavirus thing, I want to try to put this in perspective for you. It looks like the coronavirus being weaponized as yet another element to bring down Donald Trump. Now, I want to tell you the truth about the coronavirus. What, you, 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 you think I'm wrong about this? You think I'm missing it by saying that's... Yeah, I'm dead right on this. The coronavirus is, is, is the common cold, folks. The drive-by media hype of this thing as a pandemic, as the Andromeda strain, as, oh, my God, if you get it, you're dead. Do you know what the, I think the, the, um, the survival rate is 98%. 98% of people get the coronavirus, survive. It's a, it's a respiratory system virus. It probably, it is probably is a CHICOM laboratory experiment. That, that is in the process of being weaponized. All superpower nations weaponize bio. Well, we know in Wuhan province they have that kind of facility. I don't know if that's what the coronavirus is or not. But Rush is absolutely right when he says that what we're talking about here is basically just another form of the flu when you get right down to it. So um, Ken Cuccinelli, he's the acting head of the Department of Homeland Security, he was also on Fox yesterday being asked if the coronavirus could be, as Rush said, from a lab accident. Our colleagues at CDC and NIH and the task force you know, have made it very clear we don't yet know the origin of this particular virus. It is the third coronavirus um, in the world. The previous ones were MERS, the Middle Eastern virus, which was believed to have come from a bat to a camel to humans, and then SARS, which was also in China, which came from a bat to a civet's cat to humans in China. Um, it's not entirely, we're not entirely sure how this one started yet. There is a biological facility in the Hubei province that people worry about. Uh, but I will say the reading that I've done um, of medical professionals suggests that the structure of the virus seems unlikely to have been man-made. Uh, because if it was made to be a threat, you'd expect to see certain characteristics that aren't present. Does that mean that rules it out? 
No, not absolutely. No, it doesn't. But it sure sounds like it's it's not made in a laboratory. I don't know if it is or it isn't. All I know is what it is and what it's doing and and the uncertainty it has created. And, and that's all it takes for Wall Street is uncertainty. They, they are certain about the flu. They know the flu, um, the, the typical strains that we have here. They, they know that people die from the flu every year on Wall Street. They know that. I don't know why this scares them so much more. I guess they're just afraid of what it could do to economic markets overseas more than they are worried about here. And, and the CDC, by the way, didn't help today when they said it could become widespread here. And the president's requesting billions to fight it. Okay. We'll keep updating that story for you. A little preview of tonight's Democrat debate. All in, going after burning, I'm pretty sure. Back with more in a moment. Jimmy Barrett, AM 950 KPRC. The Jimmy Barrett Show continues, continues. on KPRC 950. All right, time to gang up on Bernie. Yeah, going to have to gang up on the socialists because he, he's, he's, he's starting to run away with it. Uh, keep trying that number, by the way, Chris, because he said that, uh, he said try him again. He's there. He's waiting. Just double check, make sure you dial the right number. Maybe I should make sure you've got the right number. You know, me and my typos. Hang on. Let me, let me check that first here. Oh, you did. Okay. All right. All right. Maybe it's our phone system acting up again. Who knows? Anyway, keep trying. Let me know when you get them. In the meantime, can anybody beat Bernie? It's, it's a strange question to me going into, we haven't even hit Super Tuesday. What, are we already conceding this to Bernie Sanders? Really? What if Mike Bl- Bloomberg runs away with a whole bunch of stuff on Super Tuesday? Will that change anybody's minds? I guess Hillary must think that there's a good chance that uh, Bernie will run away with it because she came out today and she said, well, if he's the nominee, I'll endorse him. Not that I would necessarily expect her to say anything different, but I wouldn't think. I wouldn't wouldn't think. It seems a little premature to even ask that question. Not so much to ask because the media will ask anything, but to answer it, you know? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I were Hillary Clinton and the media asked me that question. I'm going, you know, why don't you ask me who, if I'm willing to endorse the nominee once we have a nominee? In the meantime, I'm not, I'm not getting involved in this. So uh, Britt Hume was on Fox last night, senior political analyst, former anchor. And they asked him, do you think there's anybody who can beat Bernie? Well, on paper, there certainly is. After all, only a tiny handful of delegates have been allocated so far. All the rest of them are are ahead of us. 
But the problem the Democrats have, uh, apart from Sanders, is that they don't really have anybody with any momentum. Biden has not done well in the first contest. He may uh, rebound this weekend in South Carolina, uh, and everybody else is struggling and scratching to try to make some headway. When you hear Amy Klobuchar claiming momentum by saying that she's been the third largest vote getter, you get an idea of, of how much difficulty all the rest of the field is having, and that leaves that lane of the party wide open for Bernie to continue his momentum, which he certainly has at the moment. He's got the mojo going into tonight, but everybody will be attacking him tonight. Here to talk about it with us, Joe Patel, communications consultant for politicians at Prosody Consulting. At least I assumed, just like you could predict everybody would go after Bloomberg last time, everybody's pretty much going to go after Sanders tonight, don't you think? Yeah, it's uh, it's remarkable. You start to see some of the op research that uh, has been pulled up finally come out this week. And it sort of makes you wonder, Jimmy, what's everybody been waiting for? I mean, it, it's not as though uh, Mr. Sanders has been performing any sort of ideological sleight of hand. He's been rather outspoken about his, uh, about his beliefs and what he stands for for a number of years. And so you just wonder how long they were going to wait, uh, I guess, until it looked like he was officially going to take the nomination before they finally started raising concerns about the guy. Well, either that or maybe some of the things he's been saying about Fidel Castro and, and, and some of his programs, maybe he's finally starting to make them really nervous. Yeah, I, I think um, it, there, there's that element, right, where I, I think they probably thought, hey, wait, this is an act, or, you know, at, at least in my time in Washington, it was sort of, well, yeah, that's Bernie Sanders. He does Bernie Sanders things. Uh, but now that they are looking at this guy actually being the standard bearer, and, and more importantly, Jimmy, uh, the possibility of having to actually vocally support him and his views for several months, well, that's a, that's a different proposition entirely. So, uh, yeah, I think we're going to see, again, a very spirited, in some ways very entertaining debate tonight. Uh, the guy that I'm going to be watching is Joe Biden. Uh, this format does not suit him. He comes from an old school in Washington, uh, a very senatorial Washington. This new, um, this new style of sort of... Uh, full frontal attack is not the career that that he forged and i think it'll be interesting to see can he rise to the occasion can he convince people that he is still a uh, viable candidate and you know more importantly if so uh, in coming days if if people like senator klobuchar and others continue to to perform poorly will they finally get out of the race and what will it take to uh, sort of narrow that field a bit Yesterday, Joe Biden asked for South Carolina support in his bid to represent them in the United States Senate. <laughs> he was another yep. Biden gaffe, another Biden gaffe, forgetting what he was actually running for. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, but th- there's just nothing he can do about that, is there? He, it's just who he is. The, the guy is who he is. Um... And look, I mean, having worked on political campaigns before, it is a level of fatigue that uh, you can't, you know, the only thing that would match it is uh, is the birth of my children. So I, I certainly, in some ways, feel for the guy. At the same time, you know, it, it's really one of, the, one of the facts that sort of made me pause is that if uh, Bill Clinton got into the race today, he would be the third oldest uh, at 74 of the uh, male candidates on stage. And so that just gives you an idea of, look, this is a, uh, this, it's not as though these guys are new figures in American politics. Um, 
you know, Bernie Sanders has been around for a number of decades. Joe Biden has uh, has been around, as we all know. And, you know, it, it sort of creates a natural lane for uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who um, certainly will not be on Amy Klobuchar's Christmas card list anytime soon. But, um, but look, I mean, I think it's going to be a, uh, a very uh, telling debate. I think, you know, again, you have folks who are facing the end of a uh, of their aspirations to the Oval Office. And, um, you know, the other interesting figure tonight will be Elizabeth Warren, who to this point has kind of played the Chris Christie role from 2016. And, you know, increasingly her chances of actually taking the nomination look complicated. And yet she has done a very effective job of uh, exposing and um, probably ending chances for people like Michael Bloomberg. So, look, I mean, if, if Bloomberg has any kind of showing, he has both the staff and financial largesse to make it stick. But, boy, he's going to have to do everything sort of stand on his head to erase everybody's memories from last time. You know, it, it, it feels, it feels Joe Patel, like um, the only way that Bernie gets derailed is if Democrats say, you know what, we have to, we have to get behind one, quote-unquote, moderate candidate – they counteract Bernie, and we have to pour, put all our resources into that. So we're going one-on-one against Bernie Sanders and socialism because right now all they're doing is they're taking the slightly more moderate vote, and they are splitting it up. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, to some extent, uh, I think you're right, but I think it also assumes what we sort all sort of missed in 2016 is that, um, you know, in similar fashion to Donald Trump, Bernie's base is with him come rain or come shine. The only question is, how many people in the middle can he actually pull? Can he pull enough of them to uh, bring him the White House? And I think, you know, that's going to be interesting to me, even if all of the rest of these supporters coalesce behind one person. Is the level of intensity, is the level of engagement high enough that they could overcome a deeply organized and motivated base on Senator Sanders' side. That's going to be a tall order that isn't done very quickly. And look, with, um, with Super Tuesday looming very close on the horizon, you are talking about a whole lot of work in a, whole, in a very little bit of, of time amongst a coalition that doesn't naturally like each other. So, um, look, I mean, short of an absolute fall-on-your-face disaster tonight, uh, coupled with a meteoric rise, it's becoming increasingly difficult to see how the Democrats escape Bernie Sanders being their standard bearer come come, uh, later this year. Yeah, it it was interesting to me that, you know, um, as as you know, um, (laughs) over at MSNBC, um, why is his name escaping me? Chris, what am I, who am I thinking of? Chris, uh, no, 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 no. Chris Matthews, yeah. Thank you. Chris Matthews made that unfortunate um, uh, World War II, France, and Germany um, you know, implied Nazi um, comparison, the fall of France. And, and it's amazing to me, people are calling for his resignation and all this other stuff. Yet Bernie turns around and basically compliments Fidel Castro, and nobody has anything to say about that. Why is well, that? Well, Jimmy... One of the dynamics that you're facing, and it's, it's very interesting, you, uh, you've seen it some with the rise of people uh, in the Democratic Party, um, 
AOC and others, and, and I think it's chronicled very well in a new book written by a friend of mine, uh, Charlotte Alter of Time Magazine, that talks about the increasing effect of millennials as they age into uh, the regular voting class. And, you know, the bottom line of it is that they have different experiences, they have different memories than the traditional voter that we've seen. Um, you know, Jimmy, the, uh, the Berlin Wall fell in 1989. Yeah. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're in your early 30s now, um, you have no memory of Mikhail Gorbachev or Nikita Khrushchev or the Cuban Missile Crisis. And so... Yeah. They Fidel don't know Castro what life was have... like under communism. Yeah. It, exactly. when we all yeah, lived exactly. underneath that, that potential threat. All right, sir. Got to leave it at that. But, Joe, thanks again for joining me. And for the preview, I appreciate that. Joe Patel, communications consultant for politicians at Prosody Consulting. Back with more in a moment. Jimmy Baird Show, AM 950 KPRC. For everyone in Houston. They have our voices heard. Stand up. It's the stuff Houston is talking about now. Call 713-212-5950. That's 713-212-5950. 350 now. Here on AM 950 KPRC, um, I, I, you could not pay me to watch The View. But then again, I'm a guy. I'm a guy. There's nothing, there's nothing usually that they're talking about on The View that's of any interest to me. It, it, the show's not for me. The show is for, basically, it's geared towards women. But I wonder how many women want to watch a show where they are yelling and screaming at each other. That just doesn't. It certainly doesn't float my boat. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to watch a bunch of women yelling at each other. I wouldn't think most people do. So it's a little surprising to me that the show does as well as it does. Now I've got. That'd be the first time I haven't seen any ratings, so I may be. I may be. Uh, you know, damning them with faint praise <laughs> by calling them somewhat successful. They're still on the air. That much I know. There's, but there's a lot of things about that show. That that um, amazed me. May, either either Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar are very good actors. Well, they must be. Now, in the case of Joy Behar, I wasn't before she was even on that show. I wasn't really familiar with her. I, I know that she's a comedian. Is she funny? Has she ever done anything funny? Does she have the ability to make me laugh? Maybe I should look up and see if there's any old stand-up routine from Joy Behar that is um, palatable. To a conservative that you could you could watch and go, <laughs> that's funny. Whoopi Goldberg was endearing in movies. She's not a very endearing person in real life, as it turns out. But then again, you know, she's an actress. And there's a lot of actors and actresses who can pretend to be sincere, who can pretend to be endearing, who can pretend to be sweet, who can pretend to be kind. They may not be that way in real life, but they can play the part. So anyway, um, 
Joy Behar, who I, I've never found to be funny at all, and oh man, <sighs> hate to use the term, but just so bitchy. It's like she's always, I mean, she can't even get along with her co-workers. She, she and uh, Megan McCain got into it about Joy Behar's unwillingness to completely get in there and endorse Bernie Sanders. Evidently, and that would be no surprise to me, Joy Behar is all about Bernie Sanders. Even named her dog after Bernie Sanders. So here, here's the exchange between the two of them. Bernie bleeding in the way that he is right now, or at least garnering this huge momentum of popularity, Mm -hmm. it's very honest. For conservatives, this is where I think Democrats are at. I think the era of the moderate Democrat is long gone. I think it's full socialism all day long. And at least we now know as conservatives that it's going to be the squad and AOC and Rashid Tlaib and Bernie. That is what I believe and it's what I see out here. Look how popular. You let him name your dog after him. In Nevada. She did. You love him. Why had it I changed my mind on yeah. Bernie. First of all, I was never all in on Bernie. Naming your dog because after I him thought, is a move. I named my dog after him. It was a joke. Mm-hmm. Okay. I also I, said I, I was aroused by him, which was really a joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that at that time I thought Hillary was a shoe-in, so I was having fun with Bernie. But I think a lot now, of people I'm not that so about tr- Trump. Yeah. Well, well you know? I think we, we're seeing a, a reaction to what we've seen in the Republican Party because the, the Republican Party of yesteryear is gone. That's a well. <laughs> Both parties of yesteryear are gone. Make no mistake about that. In some ways, I hope the Republican Party of yesteryear is gone because the Republican Party from yesteryear needed to grow up here. It really did. We didn't stand up for ourselves. You know, we allowed people to call us names and we backed down. There's still plenty of people who do that because they're afraid of being called a name. I mean, I, I don't I don't wish upon us that all candidates going forward are as bombastic as Donald Trump. I don't wish that upon us. I think if nothing else, that's going to wear on all of our nerves after a while. I don't judge him right now based on his act, his his behavior as much as I do on the results of what it is that he gets done. I like the results of what it is he gets done. But I don't wish for heads of state who are that bombastic. They may be that way for a while. You know, can you imagine trying to follow him up when eventually he does leave office? Who who would the Republicans put up to run for president that's not going to look like milk toast next to Donald Trump? Who, if if Bernie Sanders is the nominee for the Democrats, who do the Democrats put up that doesn't look like a complete socialist radical after Bernie Sanders? So I guess I understand what they're saying from the standpoint of Things have changed, and maybe things have changed for a while. Nothing ever changes permanently, but I agree. Things things have no doubt changed for a while. It's going to be that way for a while. No doubt about it. All right. Um, Kellyanne Conway, the president's counselor, was also on Fox yesterday discussing uh, Bernie. Bernie, of course, says he could beat President Trump. Does Kellyanne think that's a possibility? Well, he can't. But I can't blame him for saying because electability is the mother's milk of the Democratic nomination process this time. They've all claimed they're the ones who could beat Donald Trump. It fueled Joe Biden for months and still people said, well, you don't even know what state you're in. And you're now known as Hunter Biden's father more than Barack Obama's vice president. Uh, Then Bloomberg was going to be infallible, indomitable. 
invincible and he made the cardinal mistake of playing on the same turf as everyone else and taking to that debate stage. Probably the worst business decision Mike Bloomberg has ever made was participating in that debate. He had the entire airwaves to himself and this air of invincibility and electability. And now it's Bernie Sanders saying, I'm the electable one. Yeah. Uh, the electability is no match for electricity, though. And the president has that. And he also has the progress report. You have President Trump presiding over the most successful, robust economy in modern time. And you have Bernie Sanders criticizing President Trump in that economy and complimenting Fidel Castro of Cuba. Which is why, now we're back to the coronavirus, which is, which is why panic is needed on the left. They need us to panic. They need Wall Street to panic. They need the economy to panic. They need something that's going to slow the economy down, something that will create some doubt in the economy going forward. They need that to happen. Without that, not much of a chance, I don't think. But hey, they're capable. They are capable of sowing that kind of fear. And they're very, very good at it. So that's that's always a possibility. Always a possibility. Other other than um, other than creating doubt in your mind about the future under the current administration, especially on the economy, because that's the most important thing for most people. In addition to doing that, the only real criteria that most people on the left have for their nominee is that he can beat Trump. That's it. That's they talk about Medicare for all. They talk about Green New Deal. They talk about a whole lot of stuff. But at the end of the day, people are are, are on the other side are interested in one thing and one thing only, and that's beating. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Trump. That's what they've convinced. It doesn't matter what the new what the new president does, what his new programs are, or what he stands for, as long as he can beat Trump. That's the only issue on their minds. All right, Fox News is next at four, hour number two, right around the corner. Uh, more on the Weinstein verdict from legal expert Austin Pennington. Coming up at 4.32 here on AM 950, KPRC, The Jimmy Barrett Show. What we need is more common sense. More common sense. You've got to use plain old common sense. Breaking down the world's nonsense. About how American common sense will see us through. With the common sense of Houston. I'm just pro-common sense. For Houston, from Houston. Where you're talking about common sense. This is the Jimmy Barrett Show, brought to you by Viewin.com. Now, here's Jimmy Barrett. Ooh, we got some wild animals on the loose on the campus of Rice University. Did you see this one, Chris Little? Do you know what's on the loose near Rice? By the way, would you say uh, C-O-Y-O-T-E? How would you say that? You say coyote? That's how I say coyote. Coyote, I think, is more correct pronunciation. I prefer the Yosemite Sam pronunciation. Ooh, I hate them coyotes. 
Actually, I don't mind coyotes or coyotes. Is this a normal thing? You know, to see a coyote in the city or a coyote in the city? They've been spotted near Craft Hall, the North Annex lot, North College area, and Seaball Hall. Uh, they typically pose very little threat to people, no reports of attacks or aggression. Nobody's foaming at the mouth, right? They're warning students and staff to be on the lookout. Also offering these tips on what to do if you encounter a coyote. Do not run away or turn your back to a coyote. It could trigger the coyote's instinct to give chase. It does feel kind of silly to call it a coyote. You especially wear when walking your dog or jogging around sunrise and sunset. That's the time of the day when coyotes are most active. I guess somebody shot and killed a coyote in front of a Houston home. When did this happen? That's a separate story. It says keep dogs on short leases. Leash, leashes? Yes, keep those dogs on short leashes while walking outside. Uh, a leash no longer, wow, that's specific. A leash no longer than six feet. Uh, especially important between February and July because that's pupping season, time of the year when the coyotes are more territorial. It doesn't change how coyotes act towards humans, but at this time of the year, a coyote is at least likely to run from a loose dog and more likely to stand its ground. Least likely to run from a loose dog, more likely to stand its ground. I don't know why you would, but never feed a coyote. Feeding coyotes endangers residents in your community because it lures more coyotes to the neighborhood. It'd be like leaving out, you know, leaving out the trash for the raccoons. That's not a good idea. Uh, yell, clap your hands, blow a whistle, and try to make yourself look larger if you have a close encounter with a coyote. I have no problem making myself look larger. If if he's if the coyote's not afraid of me in my current size, puffing myself up any further is not going to make any difference. Do not allow a coyote to get in between you and your child or pet. Keep children close to you. Whenever safe to do so... Call the authorities. Yeah, I'm looking at a uh, video here of a coyote. Wow. Just kind of hanging out in the Houston neighborhood. Hmm. It's kind of funny because, you know, you can kind of mark time in certain parts of the country based on the wild animals that turn out at certain times of the year. What was it in Richmond, Virginia? We used to mark time with um, rabbit foxes and bears. Bears would get on the loose in, uh, usually, I want to say like April. Of course, we're a little ahead of it as far as the weather here is. But once the weather would start to warm up, you know, the bears the bears would break their hibernation and they'd be out, they'd be looking for the young bears in particular, the mama bears would kick the young bears out of the den. And then the young bears were out there trying to find their territory. And, you know, they didn't know diddly and they're walking through neighborhoods and scaring people and all that kind of stuff. But you could usually mark time depending upon what kind of creatures are running loose at any particular time of the year. But, but be on the lookout, coyotes running around right now. Wouldn't want you to tangle with one of those. I mentioned this uh, briefly. The, the controversy, we had played the audio of Chris Matthews making a comparison of what Bernie Sanders is doing in the Democrat Party to what Germany did to 
France during World War II just kind of overrunning them. He has <laughs> he has been absolutely savage. Chris, Ma- trust me, I have a hard time feeling the least bit sorry for Chris Matthews, but he is so politically correct that I don't I don't think for one minute he's trying to make some sort of a Nazi analogy because Bernie Sanders is Jewish, but that's how people have decided they want to take it. He's been facing outrage, people calling for his resignation. Um, he's not going to do that. Chris Matthews evidently addressing the controversy last night on his broadcast. He says, as I watched one-sided results of the caucus in Nevada, I reached for historical analogy and I used a bad one. I was wrong to refer to an event from the last days or actually the first days of World War II. I'm sorry for comparing anything from that tragic era in which so many suffered, especially the Jewish people, to an elected result in which you were a well-deserved winner. This is going to be a hard-fought, heated campaign of ideas. He concluded his apology by saying he would strive to do a better job of elevating the political discussion in the coming weeks and months. Elevating the political discussion? Okay, only for Democrats, though, right? Yeah, I'm sure that's it. He then welcomed on New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio who recently endorsed Sanders to make the case for the Vermont Senator's candidacy. Okay. Like I said, where's the criticism? Where's the criticism of, uh, you know, of what Bernie said of Fidel? I mean, they asked him questions about it, but nobody said, you know, that's wrong, dude. It's, it's saying, saying that, they got child literacy under Castro. It's like saying Hitler made the trains run on time. It doesn't change any of the other things he did. I don't understand why everybody made such a big... I still don't understand why everybody made such a big deal of what Chris Matthews said, and nobody's making a big deal about what Bernie Sanders said. I Personally, I'm not going to make a big deal about either. Because I'm tired of all the political correctness. If you think... Bernie Sanders, if you think that Fidel Castro is a great guy and a good leader and you would like to see us emulate some of the things that he did and his communist country, far be it for me to try to stop you. No, 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 no. Keep saying that. Keep saying that. Let everybody hear what you're saying. Let everybody hear what you're saying so they understand exactly where you're coming from. Back with more in a moment. Jimmy Baird Show, AM 950 KPRC. Legal expert Austin Pennington, more on the uh, Harvey Weinstein ver- verdict, uh, 432. Um, it, it more about, I, I think, you always find it interesting, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, you look at somebody like a Harvey Weinstein, you say, guilty, guilty, guilty. Whatever he's charged with, he's guilty. But that's not how we all always works out in the court of law. You have to prove your case. I think that's probably part of what incensed me so much about what was going on with the whole Trump thing and the impeachment is it was just so far away from due process. I mean, look at look Harvey Weinstein got better treatment. He got a fair trial than President Trump got treatment in the United States House of Representatives. He did. Harvey Weinstein. By all accounts, a despicable human being. Better treatment. 
than Donald Trump. I lay that at the feet of our uh, Congress. I'd love them to think about that for a while. All right. I need a smile. Anybody need a little break? I do. I need a little break. Um, Chance here to talk about two things. I have often wondered, well, actually, Elizabeth and I have had this conversation. You, 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 know, you know you're willing to stare down your mortality when you're willing to talk about the end of your life and what you would want. Uh, I hope I've made it very clear to her that I what I because it's it's not a guarantee, but it's pretty much a safe bet. I'm going to go before she does. Number one, I'm a male. She's a female. There's one strike against me. Number two, I'm 12 years older than her, so there's another strike. So chances are pretty good she is going. And number three, her grandmother lived to be like 100 years old. There's Her father is in his 80s and looks like he's in his 60s. So I would have to say the gene pool is working pretty much in her favor at this point. So I like the chances of me going before she does. So it becomes her decision what happens after that. And I hope I've made that clear to her. If you want to stick me in a hefty bag and put me out on the corner, that's fine. If you want to cremate me and put my ashes in a jar and spread them in the Gulf of Mexico or you know, give a little bit to this, that, and the other, that's fine. You do whatever you want to do. You do what works for you. I won't be here. What happens when I'm gone needs to be something that is helpful to you. I don't need a big funeral. I don't need a big memorial service. I don't need a memorial service at all. Don't do that for me. I don't think I'll be here to enjoy it. You do what you need to do. If doing something very quiet and just family-oriented or nothing at all works better for you, just do what you need to do. That have, that, those, are, those are my wishes. My wishes are whatever she wants. And I think it's pretty much the same thing for her if the, if the case gets reversed. I don't need the pomp and circumstance. I'm hopeful that I will be with my maker and I'll be in the right place. But I don't need I don't need the formal goodbye that some people need. Then on the other hand, you have the memorial service you had in Los Angeles yesterday, which was quite the to do. You know, Beyonce's there singing and everybody and their brothers getting up and telling Kobe's stories. I will say this. If I were to have a memorial, I would want it to be a celebration. A celebration of life and of living. And I would like to, I would want people there telling stories, funny stories that would make you laugh. I mean, I can appreciate the fact that um that there there's a certain amount of solemnness to those types of occasions. I wouldn't want that. I would want it to be fun. 
I would rather it was a pizza party with people telling jokes about me than anything that was just sad and solemn. But I think they kind of struck a pretty good balance in saying goodbye to Kobe Bryant in Los Angeles. Um, there was quite a bit of humor. There were some tears, of course, but there was quite a bit of humor. One of my favorite speakers, and he's become one of my favorite pitchmen too, is uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Have you ever noticed how many commercials this guy's on? It's it's amazing how many products he's pitching. He's like the lovable giant, you know. Everybody, he's just a likable guy, and he got up. We had to bleep a little bit about what he said, but what he said. And remembering Kobe Bryant was really quite funny. Take a listen. The day Kobe gave my respect was the guys were complaining. I said, Shaq, Kobe's not passing the ball. I said, I'll talk to him. I said, Kobe, there's no I in team. And Kobe said, I know, but there's an M.E. in that mother <laughs> So I went back and told Rick and... uh and Big Shot Baba said, just get the rebound. He's not passing. <laughs> just know that we got your back, little brother. I'll look after things down here. I'll be sure to teach Natalia, Bianca, and Baby Capri all your moves. And I promise I will not teach them my free throw techniques. Pretty funny. Pretty funny. See, sense of humor. You're memorializing somebody, but you're doing it in a way that people can laugh and, and feel good about it. See, that's that's how I would want to walk out of a memorial service. Feeling good about the person you were there to remember. Like, you know, some people are going to feel sadness, and that's okay. But I would want to walk out saying, that was really good, you know, I really... I really, I hate to say this, but I really enjoyed that. That sounds kind of wrong to say about a memorial service, doesn't it? I really enjoyed that. But that's how I'd want people to feel about mine if I, if I ever had one. But like I said, that's up to Elizabeth, whether we have one or not. All right, um, people are still scratching their heads a little bit over the Harvey Weinstein thing, trying to figure out how did the jury, how is it the jury got deadlocked on these two more serious charges? Um, how is this going to change things going forward? I mean, in in the day of the Me Too movement, um, there are people who are saying that somehow, I don't know, that if does this change the outlook at all? Does this change the outlook for successful CEOs uh, of big companies? Um, I, I think we're dealing with somebody here, a Harvey Weinstein. I think we're dealing with somebody here who's like in a whole different, whole different classification. This is not some guy who's sleeping with the help. This is not some guy who is um, having an affair on his wife. This is not some guy who is um, sexually harassing the women that work for them. This guy is a predator. This guy is a predator. And the only reason why he got away with what he did for as long as he did was the power he managed to amass. The ability to turn somebody into a, a, a Hollywood star or the ability to ruin somebody's career. All by whether or not they just, you know, went ahead and granted him a sexual favor. That's really what it was all about. So Austin Pennington, legal expert, joins us to talk about it next. 
Uh, he's coming up in just a few minutes. Back with more in a moment. 713-212-5950, by the way. If you want to weigh in at any point, Jimmy Baird Show, AM 950 KPRC. Back to the Jimmy Barrett Show on KPRC 950. Uh, 4.35 our time, AM 950 KPRC. So the Harvey Weinstein verdict, there were five counts. Count one, predatory sexual assault. Jury said not guilty. Count two, criminal sexual act in the first degree. Guilty. Count three, predatory sexual assault. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Not guilty. Count four, rape in the first degree. Not guilty. Count five, rape in the third degree. Guilty. So guilty on two of three. You know, if he'd been guilty of the more serious charges, they probably could have sent him to prison for life. As it is, he's likely to get a fairly stiff sentence, at least a decade or two, I would guess. Uh, We'll get into that in just a second. But first, his attorneys, before we bring on our legal expert, his attorneys were on Fox yesterday uh, at least feigning some surprise that he was found guilty of anything. Listen. I think the evidence just didn't support a guilty finding on any counts. Uh, you know, I, I think that the jury was in a position where they looked at a verdict sheet of five counts and felt that they couldn't walk out of there and convict him of nothing. I think the feeling a lot of people had over the weekend, you know, who I heard talking about the case, they said, oh, he's going to get off. Did yeah. you feel that way? Well, questions are always the worst part of deliberations because you want the jury to just come back and not have to deal with that. Um, when they came back with the last question regarding sort of the deadlock, potential deadlock, um, we were a little confused because of how the jury instructions were written. There was a way to read it poorly for us and a way to have hope, so we were kind of stuck in the middle. But the instructions were a little complicated. Uh, was Harvey angry with you, no, with both of no. you? No, Not Harvey's never been angry with us at all. I think Harvey saw how hard we worked, and I think he was grateful. Uh, he expressed gratitude to us, and he was, he was strong. Was as he, he has shocked? Been. He was shocked. Well, the quote I'm seeing is flabbergasted. He was flabbergasted. I don't know about that. Uh, Joining us to talk about all this, legal expert Austin Pennington. You've been following the trial a little bit, Austin. Um, you know, it. you kind of get into you know parsing these counts. What's the difference between predatory sexual assault and... Um, or better yet, better example, what's the difference between rape in the first degree and rape in the third degree? Yeah, Jimmy, so with the New York state law, the uh, the different degrees of rape have to do with whether physical force is used. So the lesser version of rape, the third degree rape, is where, in this case, we've got sex that occurred, and although it was not consensual, because the, the victims claimed that it was not consensual, even though it happened uh, you know, repeatedly over the course of time, it was not done through the use of force. And so that's what changes it between rape in the first degree and rape in the third degree in, in New York state law. On the predatory sexual assault, the, more, the most serious of the case, the counts, the count that could have brought with it a life sentence, 
That requires proof beyond a reasonable doubt that Weinstein had engaged in a repeated pattern of behavior of the same type of conduct over the course of time. And that's obviously, if you're trying to prove a pattern, that's where you end up with a much more difficult burden from the state's perspective. Okay. Um, his lawyers made the point to say, and I, and I, and I'm just, I'm kind of reading a little bit in between the lines of what they're saying. Basically, I think what they're saying is, listen, we got a, we got a client that a lot of people think is a despicable human being. Um, it's been well publicized what he did and how he did what he did. There's no way, whether the case got proven or not, there's no way this jury is letting him leave without finding him guilty of something. Fair for them to say or not? Well, if I'm in their position, I'm probably going to say that as well as say that I was surprised that they came back with a guilty verdict. I think that there's a stigma that comes with representing someone who is charged with this type of offense, and especially whenever the media coverage of this and the social media coverage of this was as large scale as it was. So I see what they're saying, and they've made it a point that the extreme amount of media attention is going to be one of their points of appeal, uh, points of law that they're going to appeal on to say that he couldn't receive a fair trial. So I understand where they're coming from. Knowing, knowing the appeal process and something like this, how long could this be wrapped up in the court system before he ever potentially, I guess he's in jail right now, technically, but how many years could this go on before we, we, we exhaust all the appeals and we get the final verdict? We could be in this process for another year, two, three years, if it goes all the way up to the, the top court in New York. And the thing is, though, it's, most, it's more likely than not that Weinstein, Weinstein will remain in custody. You know, his lawyers asked for him to be released on bond while they're waiting the sentencing, and the court, of course, denied that before the March 11th sentencing. The way that I read that is that it's more, more likely than not that the court will also deny any request for bond while he's awaiting his appeal. So he'll probably still be serving his time out even when this is wrapped up in the appellate system. Is this a game changer in any way, shape, or form for uh, for powerful men going forward? I think it is. I think it's a game changer primarily because of another point that's going to be litigated on appeal, which is that the prosecution was allowed to bring in three accusers whose cases were not on trial here. And that's a game changer because it allows the prosecution to paint a picture of a sexual predator by bringing in other women or other victims that are not actually on trial and being able to really just pour the evidence onto the jury. As far as um, business people, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to equate your everyday business person with the Harvey Weinstein. I mean, it, it clearly, clearly the power he had over young women, in particular young actresses, was the fact that he could make or break a career. But I think the same thing to a certain extent can be said for CEOs and big companies who are, can, make, can make or break a career for somebody underneath them. Um, what does this tell us and what does it tell po- potential future victims about what they need to do in order to protect themselves without destroying their career? Absolutely. Well, they need to speak out, and you've got to find the right people to speak out to, whether that's human resources or in extreme circumstances, obviously law enforcement. And we would hope that this type of case 
sets the bar and, and sends the message that this is not going to be tolerated. I mean, obviously, I'm a criminal defense lawyer. I stand to defend people accused of crimes. But, of course, we at the bar are not fans of people committing crimes. We're not fans of illegal activity. And so it's our hope also that these types of criminals are put to justice and that people in their everyday lives are also affected by this huge landmark Me Too movement case. You know, one thing that, that strikes me, and I don't know why, well, I do know why it does, but, um, you know, Austin, uh, here in Harris County, Texas, uh, we've had some bail bond reform where we are basically allowing people with prior convictions, dangerous people, DWIs, uh, people who have uh, committed violent offenses, we're allowing them out on minimal bond, uh, based more on their ability to afford the bond on, than whether or not it's a deterrent to actually get them to come back to court. And and we're looking in the Harvey Weinstein. We're looking at somebody who is not going to be allowed to have bond um, because evidently he's considered too big of a risk. Where we have common everyday repeat offenders here in Harris County, Texas, that are allowed to get out to repeat crimes, go back in and get back out again. You know, and, and we're seeing that here in Dallas as well, Jimmy. Because uh, you know the ACLU filed a, a lawsuit about a year, year and a half ago about bond reform here in Texas in, in multiple federal districts. And, you know, the, without getting into the weeds on it, the, the main idea of bond is to ensure public safety, ensure someone can appear at court. And so, you know, with Weinstein, <clears throat> obviously he can afford more bond or, or a higher bail amount than most anybody else probably in our country can. But given the severity of his crime, given that he was just convicted he is a danger to the public and a danger to showing up back to court. And so it makes sense that the, the judge actually did an analysis on that. With your everyday offenders, we, we definitely are seeing more offenders that are getting out, or more accused, excuse me, that are getting out uh, for minimal bond amounts. But I, the hope that the ACLU put into play and the hope that me as a practitioner is looking for is that we start actually analyzing those prongs of, are they a danger to the public? What do we need to do to ensure parents at court? And in the scheme of that, what is the reasonable bail amount that we should set? So, right. I, you know, it doesn't surprise me that Weinstein's been remanded because I think he should, given the conviction and given his resources. And hopefully we see some more reform in the, in the bail practices here in the state. All right, Austin, thanks for joining me as always. I appreciate that. That is legal expert Austin Pennington here on AM 950 KPRC. Back with more in a moment. You ever loved a um, particular type of food so much that you would just come up with a, a crazy way to get it? Um, for example, uh, I was mentioning punchkis earlier today. Um, for lack of a better term, a jelly donut on steroids, Polish, uh, associated with Fat Tuesday up north. Like just like we have king cakes here, the punchkis are. Polish bakeries all serve them up in places like Detroit, suburbs of Detroit, uh, Cleveland, uh, Minnesota, Illinois, that northern tier of states. It's something you can't get here. Or if you can, it's not even a reasonable facsimile thereof. Um, so my wife tried to get a friend who owns a bakery in Dearborn, Michigan, to send her some punchkis, and he's just, he couldn't do it because he's just, he's got, he's, <laughs> he works for like three solid days making these things, and by the time he's done, he's exhausted. He can't keep up with the demand he's got. It's a big deal. 
at least up there, it's a big deal. Just like Fat Tuesday is a big deal here, you know, except we celebrate in different ways. Uh, just like the first day crawfish is coming out is a big deal here. You know, they wouldn't know, they would have no idea what a crawfish is up there. You know, that's part of what's so great about our country that's still great about our country. We've become homogenized in many different ways because we've all moved around. I mean, I've lived in Michigan. I've lived in Virginia. I've lived in Texas now. Um, so you start picking up pieces of everywhere you live. And one of the things that, that, I mean, we all, we're all Americans and we all have some things in common, but we have some things that make us different based upon where we grew up or where we lived. And it, that's part of what makes us cool, you know, is having those differences. I, I embrace those differences. I'm excited by the differences. I got excited when I came here and started getting fresh Gulf seafood anytime I wanted it and eating crawfish and, and all that kind of stuff. Tex-Mex. Um, these kids, college students, Albany, New York, they don't have a lot of, you know, we have, we have a Chick-fil-A on every other corner. We've got to take that for granted. They don't have Chick-fil-A's in every other corner up there. And in fact, this group of college students, they, they wanted Chick-fil-A. The, the closest one to drive to 90 minutes away. And then they remembered, wait a minute. There's a Chick-fil-A at the airport. The only problem is, is it's behind security. So the only way to get there is if you're going to get on board a plane. You got a plane ticket. Then they thought, hey, wait a minute. What if we all chipped in and bought a cheap plane ticket so we can get we can get one person to the other side of security to buy the Chick-fil-A? Here they are. Here's how it happened. Uh, it was more like a challenge, and if we could have done that, which we did successfully, we thought, oh, there is a Chick-fil-A in the airport right near us. How much would it cost? We could all split it, and just one person gets all the food. It was about five or six bucks a person. We, like, equated to a Grubhub delivery charge. They walked me all the way to TSA, and I waved goodbye to them like I was waving goodbye to my family and going on a trip. She said, oh, it's a big order? And I said, oh, yeah, it's, it's a big order. I would do it again. Uh, we'd probably do it on a Monday when the flight's a little cheaper. Just look for a cheaper flight. I think they spent like a hundred bucks on the plane ticket, and about two hundred over two hundred bucks on the food because they they bought a lot of food. But they pulled the resources together. They got that Chick Fil A. And with food in mind, here's where I think nutritionists and um, cardiologists and people who always are tr trying to convince us to be healthier in our eating habits, here's where I think they make their mistake. They vilify everything that we truly love. Instead of trying to convince us that we just, you know what, that's fine. Just have that on a special occasion. Instead of the, the all things in moderation approach that we used to do, it's that will kill you, you can't eat that. And you read stories like that all the time. There's one on MSN today. What's this called? Hang on. The common foods that raise your heart attack risk. You know, I'm seeing this going, okay, I'll look at the list, but I already know the answer, right? I already know it's going to be all the things I love. Everything I love is going to be on that list. And they're going to proceed to tell me how I should need it because it's raising my risk of a heart attack. Number one, bigger problem for my wife than it is for me, baked goods. 
says baked goods have a double whammy of sugar and hidden saturated fat. They have no nutritional value and often contain hidden saturated fat and hydrogenated shortenings, which may raise your bad cholesterol. My cholesterol is fine, thank you. Number two, French fries. Oh, I love French fries. Obesity and belly fat have long been linked to a cardiovascular disease. The more fat is stored in your midsection, the higher your blood pressure, blood sugar, and cholesterol levels are bound to be. French fries are a triple threat to your heart. Uh, could I have a double order with ranch dressing, please? Number three, ice cream. When you have more cholesterol in your blood than what's considered to be healthy, it can clog your arteries with plaque. My cholesterol level is 159. I'll have a double scoop. Cheese was number four on the list. Yeah. Cheese is the single biggest contributor of saturated fat to the American diet. Pizza. <laughs> this is like this is like my top ten in order. Pizza. Cheese pizza is the second biggest contributor of heart-taxing saturated fat in the United States. Uh, how about a cheese pizza with all the meats? Because <laughs> that's what I have. Soda and diet soda, I pretty much have given that up. Finally, something I pretty much have given up. Uh, deli meats is number seven on the list. Um, it's it's because it's it's not the meat, it's the sodium. Processed meats, I think we all know the processed meats are what's not good for you. But you know what? Even with that, as long as you're not eating that stuff daily, you're having that every now and again, you're fine. Candy, number eight. Huh. High fructose corn syrup is number nine. I do I do look out for that stuff. Fried, oh, come on, man. You're killing me. Fried chicken is number 10. Fried chicken. So far, I'd have to say eight of the ten are some of my favorite things. White bread, number 11. Biscuits. Oh, what about the gravy I put on top of the biscuits? How's that? Oh, biscuits. Fruit juice. I don't drink fruit juice. Um, Chinese takeout. Okay. Potato chips. Jarred tomato sauce. Coffee creamer. Yeah, I don't use that. How's that? Margarine. Blended coffees, bacon and sausage, white rice, frozen meals, cottage cheese, really? Ketchup? How much ketchup do you use? And vegetable juice. There you go. That's the list. All the things they say can give you a heart attack. And guess what? You take all those away, and you're not, you may not get a heart attack, but you're going to lose your will to live. Have a great day. See you tomorrow morning, bright and early at 5 with Shara on News Radio 740 KTRH and back here at 3 on AM 950 KPRC. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.